Welcome to Mostly Talk. This week we're interviewing another captain of industry about life, the universe and everything in between. Find out more at mostly.consulting. Welcome to Mostly Talk. I'm James Brewster, the host. Thanks to Scotty Mills for the last episode on culture and values. It's always phenomenal to catch up with him. This week we are doing a tribute to Rugby Union in light of the Six Nations resuming. Um, so episode seven is with David Moffat. Uh, David Moffat is the former CEO of New Zealand Rugby, uh, the Welsh Rugby Union, Sport England and New South Wales Rugby. Uh, David is a close friend of the late Joan Lumu. Um, so yeah, we discuss all things rugby and, and leadership and, and, and the sport. So uh, yeah, tune in and I hope you enjoy it. How you doing? You okay? Well, mate, that's a very uh, smart shirt you've got on there, James. Let me see this. Yeah, that's uh, Richie. Yeah. Yeah. I, I drew it myself. <laughs> so that would have been that would have been the shirt they played against Scotland in because yeah. they always play. It no, I think it's the, the World Cup. I've actually kept the label on. I don't take it off. Oh. I think it's the World Cup or, uh, oh, right. I can't remember. Okay. Uh, I bought it in an auction. First 15. Oh, did you? Replica. Yeah, I don't know the year. I'd have to, I'll message you later. I don't know. How are you? Oh. Are you okay? <laughs> yes, never better, mate. Having a bit of fun at the moment, you know. <laughs> yeah, no. and what's your game? I, I honestly didn't do any research. I just thought it was funny. You messaged me and thought, let's just, let's just chat, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I'm happy to chat about um, anything to do with rugby. Um, and also about rugby rules. Um, and that, what, always, what's your what's your experience though? You you had a career, obviously, in you. Oh well, I was the chief executive of New South Wales Rugby. Wow. Um, the New Zealand Rugby Union. Yes. Wow. I, and, I the do Welsh, apologize. and the Welsh Rugby Union. I, I do do apologise. Then I should have made more of an effort to research you. I've been busy doing this startup. And I just think I'm fascinated by the concept of being able to meet anyone in the world, anywhere. Yeah. From your from attic, you know, and you're the, you're the same, I guess you're doing it from your living room. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, I saw that you, you have this podcast and the other thing I would see, see of is the National Rugby League and also Sport England for a short period of time. So I've had wow. a, quite a varied. And, and that, that took you around the world then? You, you spent some time in the UK? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, was, uh, I was born in Yorkshire. But we left there and I went, went and my father took us to Africa and was brought up in Kenya. And have, uh, you heard the, have you heard the expressions about Yorkshiremen being like very tight with their money? Yes, yes. Not as tight as the Scots, though. I, don't I heard it's the other way around, yeah. <laughs> 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 and yeah. and so, so your early, early days, you're in Africa then? Or, is that yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Brought up there in Kenya and then moved to Australia. Um, and then from there, the last, oh God, since 95, I've sort of um, been, other than for two years, I've sort of been living overseas. I was back in New Zealand now. And, and you identify as being a New Zealander? 
No, shit, no. I'm an Australian, um, essentially, but um, I'm, I suppose I'm a Commonwealthian. You know, I'm, I'm, you know, I've lived in various places in the Commonwealth. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm not a Kiwi, but I, I support the All Blacks over the Wallabies. All right. You know, the, I, That's strange then. Is it just the underdog? Obviously, yeah, not I was, underdog, but... I was a CEO of um, New Zealand rugby, not of Australian rugby. So. Yes. Wow. And yeah. I, I met, I don't know if you've seen it on my profile, I met John Alomu. I had a privilege of meeting him a month before he passed away. He, he, was, a, he was a very good um, friend of mine um, because wow. he was playing when I was the chief executive. Of, um, got a, I've got a good story about Jonah. Tell me, please. Uh, I, I, honestly, I, I, uh, I met him, honestly, I think it would be maybe six weeks before he passed away. And we watched the Scotland Samoa game in the World Cup at Newcastle in, in north of England. And uh, it was such a, a really interesting experience. I always wore all blacks tops when I was younger. You know, I was a big fan, played rugby from the age of nine. And to meet your, you know, your childhood hero, it was just, it was an immense thing. And then it was just so sad how tragic how he passed away. And, yeah. And you obviously knew him and his health. Uh, health and... Oh, yeah. I mean, there was a television, uh, there was an interview with Robin Williams, you know, the actor who took yeah. his life. Yeah, yeah. Um, there was an interview and he was asked about the All Blacks, as most people are. And he said, oh, I, I love that All Blacks. I'd love to get a jersey. So I um, arranged for Jonah and myself and a guy called Kevin Roberts to go to San Francisco. Um, oh. And um, we met Robin Williams and, um, and we left Jonah and Robin Williams to have a chat and um, end up taking a photograph. You know, in San Francisco, there's that iconic building, that's sort, of, sort of triangular shaped um, and a picture of Robin Williams sitting on Jonah's shoulders. Uh, yes. That in the background. Wow. Yeah. I'll have to look that up because it must be available on the internet, I guess, right? Yes, I would think so. Oh. So, so what are you doing? Are you doing a bit of a podcast or are you just... Yeah, so it's, it's, uh, you'll see it happen a lot now. People put podcasts out all the time, but we're doing it to kind of promote our story a bit and, and engage with people that we like that have an interesting story to tell. But we've started a business during lockdown, uh, so it's, it's only gone a couple months. And it's just a fun way to prove that you can build relationships with people all around the world and share stories and learn about business, learn about sport, uh, learn about life. And, and, and that's why uh, we think it's beneficial just to, to get a bo- podcast going. And it's, you know, it's like there's so many websites and things and CVs, and, but it doesn't bring them to life, whereas like a bit of video and a bit of audio and an interesting discussion, you know, people listen to it and it's like all of a sudden you've got potential customers or potential client, you know, clients or, or even employees one day, you know, who knows? So, Yeah. So what's your business? Uh, well, we all came out of business degrees in, in Strathclyde mm-hmm. MBA in, in Glasgow. So we did that part time over the last three years. And then uh, I'm a consultant, an engineering consultant. Mm-hmm. And then I, I kind of liked the idea. I was in oil and gas and you'll know, about it from New Zealand, it's, it's got a, an oil and gas industry, but you know, that's in decline. And, and it, you know, I've been subject to, I don't know how many, maybe three downturns now oh, in my really? career. And I, I'd consider myself quite a young man, right? So three downturns, you know, potentially is your job each time. And it's stressful. You've got a young family. So I, I, I did my, started my business degree part-time and then, yeah, long story short, loads of life life curveballs my dad died um i found out i was dyslexic uh, i had a second kid 
uh, I had like, so much pressure and stress of doing this degree and life and my full-time job. And then, yeah, I, I got through it all. And well, it's a very long story, but we, we started a company with two friends and called it Mostly Consulting. So we do do consulting around the, the you'll, you'll be the best man in the world to speak to about this, in fact, because it's about culture and strategy. And then, okay. you know, the book Legacy by James Kerr, mm-hmm. that's yeah. instrumental to my understanding of culture and humility and and the, the game of rugby and how, how professional the All Blacks are. That's instrumental to what I think about leaders in society and, and, and leaders in organizations. Uh, so we engage with companies and try and help them with leadership and then right throughout an organization, try and work on the culture, um, you know, try and bring people together, uh, have common values, have a common vision, have a purpose, et cetera. And yeah. there's so many lessons you can learn from, from the All Blacks and New Zealanders in general, I guess. And uh, Yeah, I guess to, to a certain degree. I mean, the, um, you, know, the, the, you know, you've heard of a single word proposition for a brand. For example, with yes, with the All Blacks, it's respect. Yes, you know, um, I can remember talking to Zinzan Brook about a new, a newly, you know, appointed All Black just after his first Test match, and I said, "How's this guy going, Zinny?" And he said he shows the right amount of respect. So, not all the time though did the All Black do All Blacks show the same amount of respect because there are obviously a lot of stories that don't get told. That doesn't really matter. I mean, they're, they're most likely a bigger brand than New Zealand. Yes. Yeah. Because wherever you go in the world, if you say All Blacks, you know, people know about them. And it's like, and, it's like uh, Apple computers, Apple one word, right? Yeah. You know what it is. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's impressive. And you wonder whether they would have been able to be called All Blacks in this present day, which is so pathetic. You know? It is, but I don't know if, I don't know. It's you'd like to think that people can be a bit mature about these things, right? Ultimately, they're all all black in color. There's there's yeah. you know, and it's a lot of heritage there that you got to respect as well, right? But, yeah, but for a long time they didn't have anybody. You know, Maoris didn't play for the All Blacks. Yes, you know, but then that changed, fortunately. And, yeah, and all that's behind. Yeah. And then you're a lot of you're relying on Samoans to come in and support the team. You know, it's Jonah's not a, a Kiwi. No, he's Tongan, but um, he, but, Tongan. but at the end of the day, um, the 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 interesting thing is that there are more Samoans living in South Auckland than in Samoa. So they've you know they've moved out of Samoa, so they've been born and brought up in in New Zealand. But um, yes, and and quite a lot. England was quite often pointing the finger at um, New Zealand, who have got these people living in being brought up here, whereas now England has got an awful lot of these players playing for them. And, you know, they've got a very tenuous claim to being part of it because they've most likely flown over the country. Yeah. My dad dad was a a captain for a seconds rugby team and he was a rugby fan of, so that's why I got into it. And he's not not live anymore, right? It's fairly recent that he passed away. But he always told me that the professionalism in the game is going to kill it, you know. And, and you, you know, the money that's in the game now, do you see that? And the, you know, even the athletes, they're, they're meatheads, some of them, you know, you know, and it's like, yeah. I, I always loved the Welch and how they played rugby, you know, and, and, and expansive rugby It's nice to watch. And then there's times where England and Scotland were trying to do it. You know, it's just dull, dull rugby to watch, it's all about kicking and 
territory yeah. and it was it was it was grim whereas the welch had, had that flair and i always yeah. admired them for it you know okay so so are you recording this or yeah i'm sorry is that that's permission and and, and yeah. feel free to, no, to say stuff and, no no, no no problems um well i've got a, a a thing to say about the Welsh, because I was the uh, Welsh rugby. And one of the most disappointing things about um, about Welsh rugby uh, relates to Gatland as the coach, mm. because he succeeded in coaching all of the natural flair out of the Welsh players in the time that he was there. Now, a lot of people, you, you guys in, in the uh, UK look at Gatland through Rose into coloured glasses because you know, we don't in the Southern Hemisphere. He's got a very ordinary win-loss record as a whole. It's about 55%. But against Southern Hemisphere teams, it's about 25%. Mm. And a lot of that was games that the Welsh won against Argentina. So um, it was easy to counter for the Southern Hemisphere teams because they just say, Gatland, you know, uh, pick drive, fall on the ground, pick, drive, fall on the ground. Well, that's not the Welsh way of playing rugby. Uh, and, and one of the great disappointments to me having, I mean, when I got to Wales, they had 12 professional teams. I took it down to four. They hadn't won a Grand Slam for 27 years. And within 18 months, they won a Grand Slam. And uh, they were coached by a Welshman, a guy called Mike Ruddock. But since that time, they've had Kiwis there. And, and, and that, that can work for you. But in the case of Gatland, it worked against them. In my view, um, they still they still won um, some Grand Slams. Um, yeah, but that you know, but that didn't for me didn't didn't compensate for the fact that the Welsh no longer play like the Welsh, and I think that that is sad because I think most of the world would like to see the way the Welsh played rugby previously. Yeah, and such a passionate nation as well, you know, a rugby nation, and you yeah. know the, the singing and stuff that goes on at the games and the atmosphere. It's phenomenal, you know. It's well, well, I mean, you take you take uh, uh, Six Nations weekend up in Scotland. I mean, there'll be ten thousand Welshmen up there without a ticket. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's just, it's crazy, but uh, you know, it's fantastic. I got so lucky. Like, I, I, I again, I, I don't know. I'll talk about my dad a wee bit, but I went to the the last time I ever saw my dad was at a game of rugby in Scotland, France, and we beat them, right? And then I went teary-eyed to the Scotland England game two weeks later, and we beat them. And I had this tremendous luck, like in the last few years that I went to watch Scotland play, that they, they won against big teams and, and big yeah. occasions. And there's nothing, nothing better in the world to see your underdog nation like, beat the French and the English. And, and that's my mm. last memories of my dad. You know, it's like, um, and it's, it's my life is, is rugby from a youth. And it's, it's such an important sport to me, you know. Uh, but yeah. I live in Glasgow now. Do you know Glasgow at all? Oh, well, I've never really, I've never been there. So, yeah. Yeah, but apparently it's a, it's a city that's moving ahead. Yeah, and it has changed so much in the last, last well, I don't know, the whole time I've lived here. I've lived here since I was 17. I went up to Aberdeen in the north of Scotland for oil and gas work. But I came back and I, I just like it. It's more humble and it's more industrial. There's more, um, there's different like, cross-sections of society here. It's really interesting and, and the people are just so friendly. But you have this, it's, it's really infamous actually, this sort of rivalry between, rivalry between Celtic and Rangers football teams. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's divisive, you know, you sit on opposite ends of the stadium from each other and it's very, you know, you take a kid to it and then it's swearing, it's violent. It's, you know, it's like... It's, it's crazy that one city produced two such good... Fo- I'm a Tottenham supporter and I oh, have wow. been for all my life because my dad's family, we trace them back to 1750 in Tottenham. 
Yeah. And he was the first Moffat to to go. Um, but then again, you know, when you look back, I don't know. We've never traced it back to Scotland, which is where, because, you know, it's the town Moffat, famous for its toffees and a yeah. pretty ordinary kilt, to be perfectly honest with <laughs> you. It's very boring. Um, but, you know, uh, and then and then we think, well, perhaps we came from France originally. We don't know because we can't go back that far. But um, but I've always, just going back to Scotland and the All Blacks, because you guys are, you know, can't seem to beat the All Blacks. But no, <laughs> I've always felt that if I was running Scottish rugby, and that's this is good because I want to. I'm, I'm I'm connected to Scottish kind of people in the Scotland squad in some ways. You know, at your level, yeah. but uh, you know, there today. So have your have your say. Do it. Oh no, it's just something positive. I mean, um, you've got you've got this great musical instrument called the bagpipes. I love the pipes. You know, I've been to, I've been to the Edinburgh. Uh, tattoo on a couple wow, of occasions. Yeah. Um, and it always struck me that what, what Scotland should do when they play the All Blacks in at Murrayfield is to let the All Blacks do their haka, right? That's terrific, you know. Good, you know, you stand there and, and honour it and face up to it. But then you sort of say to the All Blacks, well, after you've done the haka, you're going to have to stand there because we will issue you our own challenge. And then you get you get the bagpipes, one for each player, 15 players. And then you just come up the field very slowly with the bagpipes. Yeah. And, and, and you can imagine what the Scottish uh, supporters are going to do when they see that. Yeah, yeah. No, no histrionics, nothing like that, just the bagpipes. One behind each player playing whatever the appropriate, you know, real or whatever it is. And, and I can tell you that would be so powerful. Massive. And, yeah. the, and the All Blacks would be forced to stand there. Yeah. And, and because they would have to respect the home team, you know, just like you respect the All Blacks and their haka. And I think they miss a trick with that because, because the, the pipes are such stirring you know, sound, and they would get, I mean, the crowd, I can imagine the Scottish crowd, if they, when they saw that for the first time, it wow. would be, yeah. it would I, be I, phenomenal. David, I'm going to make you the most famous man in Scotland. <laughs> I'm, going to, <laughs> I'm, going to, I'm going to tell Gregor Townsend this, the, the coach. I'm going to, it's got to happen, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it has. It has. But, you know, it's theatre at that level, and that's, why, and that's why when people say, oh, you know, the All Blacks, we shouldn't see the Harker. I could tell you another story. I was in Wales um, and I, I, actually I'd left, but I was still, I was still there and I was at a game when the All Blacks played Wales. And um, the previous year, we, we asked the All Blacks um, to, to change the order because it was the same order that happened in, in um, 1905. I can't remember what it was. It was the, the national anthem or the, the haka whenever it was performed. Anyway, they did it. And they said, and I said to them, to Brian Lahore, I said, look, this is a one-off. So the next year, the new CEO decided that he wanted to do the same. And the All Blacks said, no, no, we're not doing it again that way. You know, we, we got a set thing. And the Wales refused to back down. So they did the haka in the dressing room and then mm. came out, got straight into it. Yeah. And the, crowd went ballistic because yeah. they didn't perform the haka. 
and it, and it, and, uh, and, it, and it's just the theatre of the haka. I mean, it just. But I mean, you guys have, you guys have got something special which you could counter it with. And and you've seen that. You must remember. It's probably slightly before my time in some respects, but like David Soul walking out slowly against England. Mm. And he, you know, no, I don't England, remember that, no. The England players ran out and it's Scotland, England, and they won the Calcutta Cup that year. David Soul's the captain. He just says, no, we're going to walk. And he's walked so slowly, composed. Yeah. And, it, you know, they had to kind of wait almost. And it was, it was theatre again, like you say, and, and kind of innovative, slightly different, something new. Yeah, and yeah, it really got their fans. Oh, yeah, especially the Scottish fans, I can imagine, you know. But then you've had some battles over your days uh, as a as a CEO or coach. Have you ever been a coach before as well? You've you've always been no a, referee. I couldn't referee be then. a coach. I, that's why I took up refereeing. Um, I uh, that's a phenomenal way to stay involved with the game, right? And it, it gives you an interest and it gets you out for a run every every weekend and stuff. I guess. Well, I it was my relaxation um, yeah. refereeing uh, because when you're ref, when you're refereeing, you can't think about anything for. For eighty minutes, you know, mm. um, you just cannot. Uh, you've just got to concentrate um, on the game. And I refereed at quite a high level, so I managed to get to referee really great players, you know, like yeah. David Campes, these of this world, and the wow. and people like wow. that, you know. So, um, yeah. And back in those days, there wasn't any Super Rugby, so all of the Wallabies used to play for their clubs, and, and New South Wales clubs had most of the more good proportion of the Wallabies. So. Yeah, I mean, you know, if you haven't got, I, I, I don't think I have the temperament to be a rugby coach because um, I'd be too frustrated, most mm. likely. So I'd be, I'd be, I was better off getting out there and running around with the players as a referee. And where does that come from? Is it a control thing? You like, you, you know, is that, is that what it is? No, you... no, it's just, it, no, no, I don't think it's a control thing. I think it's just, that I I just wanted to continue. I got a bad knee injury when I was 27, and I wanted to continue. So I actually played a lot of football, and so mm. I I started refereeing football in the, the at the local club. And they said, "Why don't you, you know, you know what you're doing? Why don't you take up refereeing properly?" And I thought to myself, "Well, if I'm going to do that, I might have, I prefer to referee rugby." So I then, yeah. you know, I took up refereeing rugby. And I, and I mean, I you know, I, I referee. I've refereed in, in in Wales and England, and I refereed in in France and uh, in New Zealand when I was refereeing. So I, wow. I, I had quite a good taste of it. Wow, that's a really impressive career. You've not had, at an inter, not at an international level, at a at a first team level. Okay, but you've you've had a, a phenomenal career, though. I I feel embarrassed that I never researched it more before uh, we decided to speak. But sorry. <laughs> well, don't worry about that. I mean, you know, that's um. That's not, that's not an issue, you know. Um, I, I, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm happy to talk to to anybody, really. Um, Wait, what's your and, What's your take on? So you follow Tottenham, so you must know a bit about football as well in the UK. Yeah. And there's this, there's very different culture in, in rugby and football, right? And uh, and I have this friend now. I can call my friend. Worked with him a wee bit. He's a former Marine, and he was with Sir Clive Woodward before the England Rugby World Cup win. And he was with uh, Gareth Southgate, his friends Gareth Southgate, before you know, England's last campaign in the World Cup. And he's this man of integrity and values. He's had a career as a Marine, uh, you, know, the, you know, the best mm-hmm. um, yeah. armed forces in the world, essentially. And, and, and he's this man of humility and, and, and such knowledge. And he was called upon by these coaches to help with the squad selection, etc. 
and training prior to, to these World Cups. And it obviously was of help to, to England to win the World Cup. Um, and, and the interesting thing for me is, you know, you, the difference between football in a way and, and rugby is the lack of, I see it as lack of humility. You know, it's like Richie McCaw, everyone sweeps the shed, the legacy, legacy book that was kind of documented that that's the old black mantra that, you know, everyone's picking up their own, you know, whatever jock straps or, you know, their, yeah. their towels after training, mm. sweeping the shed, sweeping the training room. Whereas, you know, in, in football, you know, you've got the guys like this with their headphones and they're, they're like rock stars, you know, and it's like they're getting so much money thrown at them at a very young age. And they're, they're, they're kind of just, you know, they, they, they lack respect. They're spitting, they're shouting at the referee, yay, you, all this sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah. And the young yeah. kids are watching that. And it's like, well, what's what a young kid going to do when his idol is swearing at a referee? They're going to swear at a referee. Yeah. And it's like, is that something that should have been clamped down on in football as a Tottenham fan? Well, of course, well, of course it is because it shows respect for themselves for a start. They have yes. no respect for themselves. Um, uh, and, and let's face it, it's not all. It's not all players. You know, right. when I was at when I was at um, Sport England, the chairman of Sport England was Trevor Brooking, and Trevor Brooking, who played for West Ham, was uh, the real gentleman right throughout his career. That he was never sent off, um, and you know he was uh, not what you might call a you know one of these um, current lot of footballers. The money they get paid is obscene. You know, I mean, I think about what what um, Barcelona is looking for for Messi, for example. Yeah. You know, um, to to let him go to Manchester City. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's my wife. Okay. Um, I think uh, Kerry. I think I've got you giving me your tea. Oh, okay. All right, Matt, you'll be. You're listening to Mostly Talk. If you're enjoying the show, why not leave us a review? Thanks for listening. Now, back to it. To have that money at a young age, it's like a lot of winners' mentality. You know, a lot of them will yeah. spend it and they don't necessarily have an out after the, the sport. And it applies to rugby and football, right? Like, where do you go in yeah, your but career? I mean, but it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a really strange thing, isn't it? I mean, you know, they, they get paid all this money, okay? And then you go to, you know, Hamden Park or, you know, and, and you see, you know, it's full. Yeah. You know, and and, and, and it's and it full every time, you know. Well, not Hamden's not a good example, yeah. <laughs> it's not? No, it's a horrible stadium. It's got a running track and, you know, there's the lax Oh, yeah, but doesn't it get filled up then? Yeah, I think we're just at such a appalling level of football you know I, I don't think we're ever on the world stage so it doesn't always get an attendance I don't think oh so what's, uh, what's Celtic and Rangers I, yeah sorry, sorry. I get Ibrox the wrong... or Celtic Park yeah. Ibrox or Celtic yeah. Park yeah, yeah, yeah sorry that's yeah. not Hamden yeah. yeah well who plays at Hamden uh, the Scotland squad uh, Scotland team oh, football team. oh Scotland team does yeah and, and then they open up for uh, music venues. Bruce Springsteen's yeah, yeah. there and stuff, you know. So that's, so that's where yeah. I'd go to Scottish. Uh, so I'd go to Hamden for Bruce Springsteen. Uh, yeah, but so, so <laughs> Ibrox or whatever. And, and, you know, I mean, you know, it, Glasgow has no business having two such big football teams in yeah, the world. The Celtic fans might say it's only one now, but. <laughs> oh, yeah, they might. Except that didn't, didn't Rangers um, do quite well this year? Yeah, and I try not to follow it too closely, but yeah, they're, I support them both. I think they're, they're, they're it's mm. immense, you know, and, and for this city, you know, you've got to take a bit of an interest, but I just sit on the fence. It's like, it's not worth, yeah. you know, it tells you what religion you are, it tells you everything about you, and it's like, to me, it's, it doesn't mean anything, you know, and, and the hatred they have for each other is so vile. 
that if they were born in the other house, then they'd feel the same way about the other coach. And, yeah. and it, it's just like they should learn empathy, understand empathy. And my ambition is one day, it's not going to happen in my lifetime, but wouldn't it be nice if they could all sit beside each other in the stadium, have a beer and enjoy the sport? Whereas, you know, although that tension and that atmosphere, I compare it to heavyweight boxing. Mm. So I, I don't know if you see like David Hay. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Winding up boxers a wee bit, right? Just, just for fun, right? Just Because uh, I like boxing. I always had a picture of Muhammad Ali on the wall when I was growing up. And I love boxers, mm-hmm. right? But you see it now. It's like Tyson Fury versus um, Vlad, uh, Klitschko, you know? Klitschko, two, yeah. two big greats. And then it's, it's, it's the theatre and the build-up, of, co- of course. So it's, you know, yeah. Gypsy King. Klitschko is very professional, to be honest. He's very, he was a man of integrity. Tyson's, you know, he's got, he's a character. He's got mental health issues, etc. But what a phenomenal sportsman he is, and I, I just think he's such an epic, epic guy. Yeah, but and, I mean, and, it's a, it's it's the, but, it's the, it's the age we live in, isn't it? But it sells tickets, right? That that sort of bravado yeah. and the hatred. So then Rangers yeah. and Celtics the same thing in some respects. That yeah. that you know to have that that hatred that sells the tickets and that sells sure. the, that sells the strips. And, and yeah, but I mean, there's something wrong. There's something wrong with English football when they say that they won't ever let um, the Scottish teams into, uh, into the, um, the premiership. My view that, you know, Scotland's part of still at the moment, may never be, might not be for much longer <laughs> if uh, Sturgeon gets away. But, you know, the, 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 um, I, think, I think it would be, would be much better if, if all the other teams were, you know, if they'd perhaps have five, five leagues in, in uh, instead of four divisions, five divisions in in, the, in England, and then let, let you know Celtic and Rangers and anybody else that was good enough into it. They won't do that. Um, one you, of the you, things that do you know? You, I, well, I mean, having run, uh, sorry, I'll just finish the okay, okay. thought. So what? I was responsible for the Millennium Stadium as part of my job when I was wow, yeah. I've never been yet. I really want to go to my list of things to do in my life. It's yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and it, it was amazing because when they were rebuilding Wembley, we had a lot of the game. We had a lot of games there, and and it was very, very strict about you know you if you if you got if you comped the ticket, and it was in, you had to tell the people that they could not wear the array, the other team strip if they were sitting at that end of the stadium. And that was an appalling. So that's not like that in rugby. People sit right next to each other. You know who the best crowds were? Rugby league. By yeah. far and away, the best crowds uh, that we had were rugby league. There was family. It was enjoyable. They enjoyed coming and playing. You know the, the league cup finals there and everything like that. You know they were terrific. I- and we didn't get much of that in Scotland, so it's it's very north of England sport, really, isn't it? And, and, oh, sure, yeah. And I, but we watched I watched bits and pieces of it. So like the, I'm not trying to remember now. Is the Parker Penn Shield and stuff like that, and, and Wakefield yeah, leads going back a bit. Yeah, phenomenal, yeah. phenomenal uh, teams. Like I, I followed that sort of era, I suppose, for a good while. Uh, yeah. And then so physical again, and and you're such athletes, you know. To, you know the, the, so anyway, I can't let you get away without talking about my new venture which is something called rugby rules oh wow uh, you need to you need to go and have a look that up it's www.rugbyrules.world and you'll find the the, the new laws 
um, of the game. And I've taken the laws from rugby, rugby league, a little bit of, Amer- of Australian football, like oh, yeah. AFL, you know, Aussie rules. Yes. Yeah, and yeah. a little bit of stuff from the NFL. Why did I, why have I done that? Because I got pissed off with the way rugby's being played. You know, okay. rugby is very, it's a boring game to watch most of the time. You know, the reset scrums, the fact that there is no contest for possession, real contest for possession anymore at the breakdown. They call rucks rucks when they're not. They're more like, um, uh, they're more, they're more like, uh, you know, all in wrestling or Greco-Roman wrestling on the ground. <laughs> and, and even the laws of rugby, I mean, a referee, you know, say the game's got to be played by players on their feet. So anyway, if you have a look at this, you'll find that there's a, 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 different, um, uh, a, a different way to, to play rugby uh, called rugby rules. And, and the fundamental difference is that we say that players will play, play the game on their feet. Okay. 14 aside instead of 15 aside, and uh, and there are various other things as well. Um, the lineouts are still there, but there's no lifting in the lineout, so it goes back to the old days when you couldn't lift. It was a jumping competition, you know, uh, an athletic competition rather than see who can lift the guy the highest. And is it all um, you're doing? This have you have you got? A yeah, I wrote the rules. Yeah, uh, I started off wanting to think. Oh, I wonder if I could rewrite the laws of the game and then get world rugby, but they're glacial in what they do. Mm. You've got to go through 1500 committees to get anything done. Uh, so I, that was going to be a lesson in futility. So I, um, no, I wrote, I wrote the, I wrote the, these rules. And, and the, the other thing too, is I had a, an eye on the spectator. Okay. You're a rugby person. But I bet you when you go to a game of rugby, you're sort of sitting there thinking, well, what the bloody hell happened there? Why was that penalty given? Yeah. You know? Because you can give 19 penalties at the break Do you know, I think like the audio on the referee, you know, it should be clearer. It should be communicated with the... the, the... Oh, no, no. I think the answer is to make the game easier to understand. Coach, yeah. play, uh, and referee. Even the referees get confused. You know? So, so, so anyway... I'd like to think that I've got a decent amount of rugby knowledge, but you're right, there's times it's confusing. But then the other thing is that we pack the stadiums just full of non-rugby fans to sell out oh, now. Sure. And then they're yeah. booing, they're, they're hissing, and it's like, oh, this is not rugby, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and, and they're frustrated with the pace of the game and, and a bad day at Murrayfield's like, woeful. It could be really horrible. Yeah, but I see. So, so therefore, this game, it, yeah. it's, played in, it's played in three periods of 20 minutes. Yeah, because it's going to be fast, right? Are you learning um, from American American sports? Have got it right in that sense, do they? Yeah, and yeah, no, yeah, I borrowed a bit from here and a bit from there. Um, it seems and, to me like have you heard of the the martial art Krav Maga? It's like no. the Israeli army use it, and it's lethal, right? So the Israeli army train all their their uh, soldiers in Krav Maga, and it's not a martial art; it's a system, right? And it takes bits mm. from yoga, it takes bits from boxing, it takes bits from jujitsu. And it yeah. just takes the best bits from all these different uh, martial arts, essentially, and combines it all together to make this hybrid. And you've done the same yeah. with rugby, I guess. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I didn't know about that game, but, but, I've, but I've taken what I think. Um, I, I, I don't think the game is authentic anymore. I don't think what we're watching is authentically rugby. It looks yeah. like a game of um, um, an, uh, an amalgam of rugby league and American football. So you take, for example, you take the breakdown now, 
teams are so frightened of putting players into the breakdown that they're just standing off and they're just fanning right out along the field. Yeah. Okay. So that makes it very difficult to attack. But that also means that there's no contest for the ball. So the team with the ball picks and drives, go nowhere, go from one side of the field to the other, not making any ground because the defences are so well organised. Yeah. So, I mean, that is as boring as batshit, mate. You know, it really yeah. is. <laughs> and people are fed up with that. Okay, so, so you can look at the games that have been played recently here in New Zealand by the Super Rugby New Zealand teams. But not many, people, not many teams can play rugby like that. You know, mm. They just can't. They haven't got the skills. I'm going to the... I'm I'm hammer you on this one then, okay? Right, there's going to be people who watch this, right? And go, buddy, yeah. he's onto something here. What have you done about it? Who, who's supporting it? So you're really well connected in the rugby world, right? Yeah, yeah. Who's, who okay. knows so what we've done... So, oh, yeah, quite a lot of people. And I've been doing a lot of these, right? Getting to yeah, people yeah. like yourself and talking about it. Yeah. Um, and, but the, you know, the easy bit's been writing the rules. Okay? Yeah. But now we've got to get the game played. So I can be showing you some video of this game. And then we're working hard on that at the moment. On and have you played a couple, played. couple of games just as a pilot? Not yet. Not yet. I've played a lot of games in my head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, you can't, but, but what, you know, what you don't know is what are the unintended consequences that are going to come out of yeah. the way in which we want this game to be played. Wow. You're uh, really smart, right? You've, you've, uh, I like this sort of mindset of transformational change, just taking a system and tearing it up and starting again. That's yeah. smart, right? Have you done this before? Oh, lots of times. Yeah, I mean, I'm in the space where you are, you know, when I, when I, well, I mean, a good example is Wales. When I got to Wales, there was 12 professional teams. And within nine months, there were four. And within another nine months, they'd won a, they'd won a Grand Slam. Right, more because tips you, for Gregor Townsend. Stop talking about the Welsh. What are we going to do in Scotland? <laughs> what are you going to do in Scotland? Well, Gregor Townsend's a good guy, you know. There's no yeah. doubt about that. He was a great player. Um, I was frustrated uh, as a kid watching Gregor Townsend play rugby. You know, it's like he was either a genius on the day or he dropped the ball. And I, I yeah. shared on TV more often than not as a kid about Gregor Townsend. <laughs> and now yeah, as a, he's got Finn Russell, and Finn Russell's the same as him. Yeah. And, and I, I have so much respect for them. And, and, you know, we're working with sports teams in Scotland just now. We're working with the Scottish, um, sorry, sorry, Strathclyde Sirens, a professional mm -hmm. netball team on their culture. And uh, Glasgow Tri Club, you know, the biggest tri club in Scotland. You were working on their culture. And then as I want a chance, I want to crack it helping the Scottish rugby team. So it's gonna I'm gonna come back to them tips, right? And it's gonna be David's yeah. insights. <laughs> so so here's the thing. Yeah. And I'd say it the same about um, about the Welsh. Be the same about the Scot about Scotland. Don't try and play your game like the All Blacks. Mm. The only team that can play like the All Blacks are the All Blacks, right? But everybody wants to try and, you know, they can't emulate them. So they then go back to this, you know, pick, drive, fall on the ground, pick, drive, fall on the ground stuff, you know, and, and people don't want to see that. What they need to actually, oh, Gregor Townsend was a great player, you know? So he, he was, yeah. in my view, in my view, they need to determine what a Scotland, what's the USP of, of Scottish rugby? What's their unique selling point? What is unique about Scottish rugby players? I think, and then um, I can I help you? I can remember, yeah. I, I think like fire in the belly, right? Like, you know, I'm not, I'm, I'm a Brit, right? Proud, you know, my mum's from England. She was born in Sandhurst. I was quite racist toward English people all my life, right? I went down mm. to Bristol for a month, for three months when I was 21. And I went, bloody hell, these people are nice, right? And it's like, you have this sort of hatred towards English people and it's racism. That's what it is, blind racism. 
I wanted yeah. All Blacks to beat England. I wanted France to beat England. I wanted Wales to beat England. I wanted bloody Australia to beat England, right? America, beat England. I don't care. Anyone but England. That's racism in my book, right? Now I've got a very different mindset. I'm open to England winning and, and having a good day. And, 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 but then that sort of fire in their bellies that some Scottish players, you know, I won't mention any names, but they get this shirt week in, week out, and it's a given. And then on the match day, it's just like, you know, there's this arrogance about it. And it's like there's no hunger among them. And there's no pride. And then, and then it, you just see them and they're in the nightclubs, they're drinking, they're chasing girls. And it's like, you know, there's no respect. You're, it disgusts me as a Scotland fan at various times in the last, I don't know, decade perhaps, where you see them and they're like this arrogance of they're the best player in that shirt and they're the only one that's going to get it. And that's because there aren't that many players in Scotland, right? So, so, yeah. then, so the, the gene pool isn't as deep as it is in New Zealand, for example. However, well, I can always the, remember they had it. You know the numbers. You're good with your numbers, right? So mm. New Zealand, how many people you've got? You can't have much more than five, six million, do you? Oh, we've got, uh, we've only just ticked over to five million people and we've got go. about, a, about a, I think, about 100,000 players overall. 100, England, England's got a, a million Mad, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. And then Scotland, yeah. what would I have? We'd have 30 or... Yeah, I'm not quite sure about Scotland. I mean, you know, it's much smaller than that. But then What's take that? a leaf out of the Irish book. Yeah. Now, here's the thing. When you, when you look at Irish sport, you've got, a, you've got a situation with Irish sport where there's soccer, there's Gaelic football, and there's rugby. Right, so they've got all these three, and they've got hurling. Okay, and there's well. dreadful weather, right? There's dreadful weather. They don't and have the weather. Yeah. But, but at the end of the day, you know, they've got a very small gene pool, but they've got themselves so well organised. And it's the fire know, in the bellies, I think. You know, the yeah. you know the proud, proud four provinces of Ireland. You know that song reverberates around the stadium, and then their hairs are on end. You know. Yeah. And so, so Scotland's got to discover that because they've got it, and that's yes. what I'm saying about using the bagpipes. And the no. national anthem, do you think it's rubbish? Flower of Scotland? Yeah. Oh, no. No, I, I like the national anthem. You know, yeah. I... Uh, and you've got a great patron in Princess Anne. So, oh, phenomenal, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. You've got a lot of things going for Scotland. Um, uh, and when you, you also make to, really good whiskey. When are you coming over to be CEO? Oh, I... I um, in the market for <laughs> a job. Were looking, no, when they were looking for a CEO... I actually got in contact with the, uh, the search people and I said, um, my name's David Moffat, got a bit of experience. <laughs> and I said, <laughs> I said you, you most likely need to go and have us speak to them and say, would they be interested? He came back to me and said, oh, no, we'll, we're fine, thank you. We, we, won't, uh, we won't look at you to do the job. So, yeah. I mean, that's, you know, they know what they want. Yeah. Um, and I'll tell you what I am, though, you see, and you might have picked this up already. I'm... I'm very, very straightforward, and I score. I call a spade a shovel. Yeah. Okay. And a lot of people get put off by that, but at the end of the day, I've got a track record, which is not too bad, you know. Yeah, yeah. So, and and but but that I, people don't like the fact that I actually confront them, and you know, with what with what with facts and what needs. To it be served done. you well. It served you well throughout your career. That skill. Yeah, yeah, it has. But you know, hey. You know, I'm uh, I'm I'm really focused on trying to get rugby rules up and uh, up and running, and we'll see whether that 
you know, whether that happens. If it doesn't, then I will have given it a crack. And have you got good ambassadors, you know, like your, your David Campisi? Yeah, yeah, I'm building, yeah, I'm building some, you know, David Campisi hasn't said yes yet, but I'm going to stay on him because, yeah. you know, he's a good and friend of mine. You're good with your LinkedIn stuff and, and winding up a bit. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, uh, I understand how, I understand how, how much we need the media. We're not the same job, you know, the media are different. But <clears> now there's so many people like yourself doing, you know, podcasts and streaming and all that sort of thing because the, the, the mainstream media has vacated a lot of the ground. You know? Yeah. They've vacated it. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, it's, it's yeah. crazy. You know, you've, you've probably heard of these, the concept of an influencer. So is it the rock? Yeah. Uh, Johnson? And, and he gets, do you know how much he gets per Instagram post? No. On average, right? Could you guess? I've got no idea. 10 bucks. 10 bucks. No, half, I think it's half a million. What? Uh, half a million. Okay. So because he's affiliated with all these brands, so whatever, like Voss yeah. Water or whoever, Water, yeah. I don't know. Then all he has to do is be him. And it's like, we're giving you money. There's contractual obligation, so many posts per day, perhaps. And there's rum companies or tequila he's affiliated with. But he's yeah. got such a huge following because he's whatever, a movie star who's paid millions from that. Yeah. And then just through his social media activity, then, then he's got power, you know? So what? So I've got a list of, um, well, we, we've got a, a, quite a long list of people that uh, we think are influencers in this. You know, okay, can I help you with that? Coaches. Um, and yeah, yeah I know I I mean, can, I've got a ticket for you, okay? Yeah. So Gary Vaynerchuk, you heard of him? No. Okay, so Gary V, okay? But here's the beauty of it, okay, David, you're going to love this. He's a Tottenham fan. Okay, oh. but he's so he's, like I'm going to talk about Gary V for two minutes. Okay, if that's okay, or or maybe a bit more if you need it. But so he's a Belarusian. Okay, he's born in Belarus. Yeah. And at the age of three, he went to New York, and his dad, I guess, entrepreneurial, set up a, a wine store, a grocery store. Okay, sell groceries and wine, and then young Gary was coming through the ranks. So he maybe be like ten years older than me, maybe about forty five. And he was coming through the ranks in, in his teens and he was hustling, doing loads of stuff like uh, selling yep. baseball cards, etc. And then he, his dad wanted him to help him with store, so he thought he'd promote it through YouTube. So he started, uh, are, you just, are you looking him up? Okay. Are you? No, 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 I can't spell his name. Uh, oh, Gary... so if you put in Gary V, it saves you putting Vaynerchuk, but so Gary V. Gary V. Yeah. But yeah. he... If you need to know anything about social media, just follow him on one of his channels. He's across all of them. But yeah. back to the story. So he, he promoted wine on, on, on YouTube. So it's just like, uh, oh, this wine. So, you know, wine's quite pretentious. It's like, you know, a full-bodied yeah. aroma and all that sort of stuff. So Gary's he's a New Yorker. He lives in New York. Although he's born in Belarus, he lives in New York. So he's just like, this smells like Mars bar, you know? This is like Mars <laughs> bar. Just buy this effing. And he may start swearing as well. And it's very yeah. crude, right? But then he educated people about wine. So if you're buying a steak, have a Malbec, you know, it's far cheaper than this French stuff. And it's like, it's yes. perfect because they have Aberdeen Angus <laughs> beef in Argentina. Yeah. And then she talks like that. And then he monetized it through his following on YouTube. But then everyone came to his dad's shop. Right. Mm. And then, and then he made his dad's business grow from several million dollars up to maybe $30 million or so. Mm. And then he became a, he, he, he basically, what he's doing is social media. It's about attention. So he's started a media company, uh, Vaynerchuk yeah. Media. And now he's the biggest, one of the biggest influencers in the world. 
So he's up there really? with Bill Gates or, or, or Chris or Dwayne Johnson, whatever his name is. Well, perhaps you could send me his, his, um, his details. I, I've been hustling him for like the last three weeks now. You know what I'm doing? I'm telling him because his dream is I'm going to buy the Jets, right? He has this vision. I'm going to buy the Jets, the New York Jets. So then I'm saying, well, tough luck, Gary. I'm buying the Jets before you, you know? And then I'm going to buy Tottenham. And then Warren Buffett, <laughs> and then Warren Buffett comes out saying, uh, you know, his Dolphins stuff. He's a Dolphins fan. Yeah, yeah. So then yeah. Gary says, you know, dolphins are rubbish, go Jets. So then I'm coming at him on social media saying, well, I'm going to buy the dolphins. I'm going to change the name to Gary Vaynerchuk Stadium out of, you know, homage to you. Yeah. It'll wind up the dolphins fans, but I'm still buying the Jets, you know. And then yeah. anything, anything he does online social, like social media wise, I just wind him up saying, you know, you've got to keep your eye on the ball because I'm 10 years younger than you and I'm going to buy the Jets. <laughs> <laughs> but, so oh, I'll, yeah. I'll be able to tap him up and then we'll be able to promote the rugby brand and we'll be able yeah. to, he wants to buy Tottenham one day. Oh yeah. Well, he most likely would be good buying Tottenham get, get Levy out of there. I mean, that would be really good. Yeah, I, I think it's going to happen. You're the man that's going to do it, David. So not only are going to win, Scotland's going to win the Rugby World Cup, right? You're, you're, <laughs> going, to, you're going to have your new sport and Gary Vaynerchuk's yeah. going to buy Tottenham Hotspurs. Yeah, terrific. <laughs> right. Because of the time because of the time differences, I've got another, another one of yeah, these no, in about I, a couple of I think it's a good time minutes. to end it. Like it's a good time yeah. to end it. So why don't we do it again one day? It'd be great. For sure. And uh, well, uh, I want to help you with your campaign to get rugby rules going. Great. Okay. And I'll put you in there as an influencer and we'll stay in touch, go. Yeah, my influencer. Of, uh, Actually, 200 people. This hour's, gone too, yeah. <laughs> this hour's gone too quickly, mate. So we'll get together again. Eh? Tremendous. And you're a gentleman. Thank you very much. It was nice to meet you. Okay. All the best. Bye. So thanks to David Moffat for a great conversation. Uh, he caught me caught me off guard. Really, I didn't do much research before I spoke to him, um, and none whatsoever. I was really busy with work, but uh, yeah, we're really grateful for Dave Moffat for his time and uh, the offer to speak to us. Uh, and next episode, we are speaking to David Campisi, who needs no introduction at all. Uh, he's the former uh, world champion rugby player, one of the most famous rugby players. Uh, on the planet, perhaps, uh, yeah, and a, a legendary bloke from down down under, and uh, yeah, we we have a laugh and catch up in episode eight. So tune in to mostly talk and find out more about what we do at mostly consulting. Thanks for listening to Mostly Talk. Find us online at mostly.consulting. And if you enjoyed today's show, why not leave us a review or tell a friend.